right, you can be seated. Great to see you. Welcome to Journey. I'm Ken. Uh, we're wrapping up, if it's your first week with us, we're wrapping up a three-part series called Blessed. And we've been trying to figure out how to use this word. Like, what's the, the right way to use this word? What does it mean? How do we define blessings and blessed? Because it seems like from social media and, and just hearing people talk, that word gets used in a lot of ways that, I don't know, it just doesn't seem to, to fit. So, so we talked about how do you define that word, how do you use that word, and then a little bit of how do, how do we keep ourselves in a spot where we can experience the blessings of God. And we, we've talked about God's blessings primarily being a relational idea between Him and us, a, a thriving, growing relationship with our Heavenly Father. Now, when, when people use terms like blessed and blessing, 99% of the time, I would say, I just made that number up, but it, I th- uh, most of the time, it, it's the idea of, of blessings flowing from God to us, uh, from, from the superior, greater being to the inferior, lesser being, which makes sense. Like God's more powerful than we are. We sang about that. God's mightier, stronger, smarter. He's the creator. So it makes sense that if good stuff is going to go from one place to the other place, that it would go from God down to us. But is it possible that blessing can flow the other way, kind of upstream, upside down? Can blessings flow from us to God, from the creation up to the one who created us? And the Bible seems to indicate that in kind of a limited, well-defined capacity, this is really, really true, that we can bless God. Now, we can't add to His greatness. We don't make Him more God. We don't solve problems for Him. Uh, He doesn't get in bad circumstances and say, hey, could you bless me and get me out of this? Like we tend to... He's never say, hey, could you bless me with a Mercedes or I need a bigger house. It's not that sort of we give something to Him... But the Bible mentions several times that people, creation, can bless God. Now, one example of this is in Psalm 34. So if you have your Bible, Psalm is a really big book right in the middle of the Bible. If you just kind of open to the middle, the Bible usually opens in the Psalms. Uh, or it's on the YouVersion app if you're following the live event on YouVersion Uh, Psalm 34, it's written by a guy named David. Now, the Psalms, if you don't know, this is primarily a book of poetry and uh, song lyrics and prayers written by a variety of people. Again, it's the largest book in the Bible. Psalm 34 is written by a guy named David. Now, the translation that I teach from every Sunday is the NIV. And normally I like it. It's, It's easy to understand. In this case, Psalm 34, verse 1, the NIV translates the first line this way. I will extol the Lord at all times. That word extol really is blessed. If you have another translation other than NIV, it probably says, I will bless the Lord at all times. For some reason, the translators of the NIV, every time the Bible talks about us blessing God, It uses a different word. I don't know if they were trying to alleviate confusion, but the word in Psalm 34, 1, I will bless the Lord at all times, 
is the exact same word that we studied two weeks ago in Genesis 1 and 2. Where God, if you remember in Genesis 1 and 2, God blesses the the animals of the sea. God blesses Adam and Eve. And then in Genesis 2, God blesses the Sabbath, Saturday. God hands out all of these blessings. Exact same word in Psalm 34, 1, except God isn't blessing us. God isn't blessing His creation. His creation is blessing him. So how does that work? I mean, what does that look like? One of the things that helps me understand that is to think about my kids. I have, I have three daughters, uh, if you didn't know, and as their dad, uh, there are ways that they bless me. One of them is, especially when they were younger, they got to a point where they wanted to give dad a present, like gift giving. They figured out Okay, we're supposed to give gifts and not just get all of the gifts. So Father's Day would roll around, or my birthday would roll around, or Christmas would roll around. And and they got to that age where where they wanted to give a gift. Problem, you all know what the problem is, they have no money, right? They have no way to actually get dad a gift. So what does dad do? Dad gives them money to go buy dad a gift, and it doesn't matter what they buy, they're really not doing me any favors, right? I mean, they're not doing anything for me that I could not have done on my own. They're not making me more dad. They're not making me better dad. They're not making me richer dad. The chances are they're making me poorer dad, right? Because, I mean, if I just went out and bought what I wanted, I would not only get what I wanted, I'd get the change, which when I give them $20, they buy me a $15 gift and they keep the $5. So this is not working out to my advantage. And yet, it's just kind of the crazy way we are, dads. You you can relate to this. And yet there's something that brings joy to dad because they wanted to do something for me. Like there's something in my heart that goes, "Ah, they're acknowledging that I'm dad. Right? Like, I'm the dad here, and, they're, and, they're, and, and, they, and they want to give me something, and I paid for it, and they kept my change, but, but they, they gave something to dad, not that I couldn't have purchased for myself, but there is that little sense of, man, my kids are starting to figure out how to honor dad, how to, how to turn, acknowledge dad. I think in a similar way, God feels like that about us. It is not that I can bring anything to God that's going to make him more God. It's not that I can bring anything to God and he's going to like be a better God now that I did something for him. Whatever I bring to him is going to be because he gave stuff to me. And I'm not even going to bring all of it. I'm going to keep the change. But I'm trying to acknowledge him as God and, and as a perfect father. I think there's something in God that goes, man, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're figuring this out. I'm glad you're acknowledging me as God. No, you, you didn't add anything to who I am. But just that you're acknowledging me, you're worshiping me, you're looking at me. God seemingly, from the Bible, takes delight in that. He's happy about that. When we looked at the passage in Numbers where Moses and Aaron are given the blessing that they're supposed to give to the the people of Israel, one of the lines, if you were here two weeks ago, you'll remember, 
One of the lines was that God would turn his face towards us. That was a part of God's blessing on the people. That he would not turn away, that he would not look away from them, but that he would be attentive. He would look towards them, and I think that works in reverse as well. Our blessing of God is when we turn towards him. When our face is on him, when we acknowledge, you know what, you're God. And, and I want to worship you, and I, and I want to praise you, and I want to lift you up. I want to bless you as God, as my creator, as my heavenly father. So David begins this psalm by simply saying, I'm going to do that. I will bless the Lord. Notice he starts from the personal. I'm going to do it. I don't know if anybody else is going to do it. Like I don't know if anybody else feels this sense of worship towards God, but I feel it right now, and I'm going to act accordingly. I'm going to bless God, and we have to be that way. When it comes to blessing our Heavenly Father, each one of us has to decide, I'm going to do it. I'm going to live on my face toward God. I'm going to acknowledge God. I'm going to worship God in my daily life. And nobody else in my family may be a part of this. And nobody in my job maybe, have their, maybe has their face turned toward God. Or we come in on Sunday morning. I don't know if anybody else is going to sing. I don't know if anybody else is going to get tuned in to God. I don't know if anybody else is going to turn their face toward God. But I'm going to do it. I will bless the Lord. And then he adds this phrase. At all times. I will bless the Lord. Not randomly, not occasionally, not when I feel like it. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise, next line, will always be on my lips. Always. Now, we we warn our kids about always and never, right? Like, be careful using always and never. Okay, those are kind of extreme words. Uh, Married couples, you're having an argument. Don't use always and never, right? You always say this. You never did this for you. Always always and never are dangerous words. And David says, I'm going to always do this. I'm going to always have God's praises on my lips. I'm going to always bless you at all times. Now, it could be, because this is poetry, uh, this, is a, this is a song maybe, it could be because in art you, you exaggerate, you know, you, you use metaphor and symbolism and exaggeration. It could be that as a songwriter, David's just kind of exaggerating. Yes, I'm going to do it at all times. That's just what artists do. They, they just make things big and, and exaggerate. Or, or maybe he needed like a few more words because he had like two more guitar chords that he had to play and like... Okay, if I just say, I'll bless the Lord, then I don't get to play those last two chords. So we'll say, at all times, and then we can use those last two chords. It could just be because it was art. Except, we know what was going on in David's life when he wrote this. Matter of fact, above Psalm 34, it probably tells you. It may not tell you where to find it, but the story is found in 1 Samuel chapter 21. Here's what's happening. David's on the run from a guy named Saul, running for his life. Saul wants to kill him because David's going to be the next king. Saul's not happy about that because he's the current king. He wants to find David and kill David. David is running for his life with his band of friends. 
He doesn't have anything to eat. They're having to scrounge for food. He doesn't have weapons. He's having to try to find weapons so that they can fight back against this Saul. And they end up in 1 Samuel chapter 21 in a city called Gath, which probably means nothing to you. But they had a very famous citizen in Gath. His name was Goliath. He's dead, and David killed him. So David's not a real folk hero in Gath. Nobody's happy that David's in Gath. And so we we can assume that David's trying to stay under the radar. He's just kind of going to sneak in Gath, let things calm down, and then he's going to figure out his next move, but everybody recognizes him, especially the servants of the king. And David knows this is a problem. As a matter of fact, if you read 1 Samuel 21, at at one point it says, David was very much afraid. This is going to end badly. So David comes up with this plan. And maybe it's not the plan I would have gone for, but this was David's plan. He decides, I'm going to act like a crazy person. You know people act like crazy people? Some of them aren't acting, are they? David, I'm going to act, I'm going to act like I'm insane. I'm a crazy person. So he's scribbling stuff on the wall at the city gate. 1 Samuel 21 says he's drooling into his beard. I mean, he's going all the way over the top with this acting job of being an absolutely crazy person. So the servants bring him to the king. And the king, this is my translation, but it's pretty close to 1 Samuel 21. The king says, "Um, don't I have enough crazy people in the city? Why would you bring me another crazy guy? I got tons of crazy people in this kingdom. Can you please... Take him away and get him out of here. I do not need any more crazy people. Now, I know that the king of Gath is a bad guy. Um, He's an enemy of God. He's a Philistine. Like, he's always on the wrong side. I know that he's a bad guy, but honestly, I can so relate to the king, right? You ever look around your life and go, I do not need any more crazy people in my life. Like, I got enough crazy people to deal with right now. God... Do not send me any more crazy people at work, like HR is about to hire, and you're thinking, Lord, we don't need one more crazy person in our department. Like, please, we got enough crazy up in here. Or your family? Ever, ever want to get all the single adults together in your family and just have a meeting and say, all right, look, can't nobody marry crazy people. We got enough crazy people in our family. Look at our family reunion. We got plenty of crazy people. Nobody marrying crazy people anymore. I totally relate to the king. I don't need any more crazy people in the kingdom. Take him away. So David's got one, possibly two kings who want to kill him. No food. No weapons. And in the middle of that, David writes, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. It's not not because it fit the poem. It's not because he was exaggerating. David was in the middle of his life coming unglued. And he said, you know what, God, I'm going to bless you right here. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to bless you right in the middle of all the craziness. And here's what I normally do. And maybe you're not like me, but here's what I normally do. When my life is falling apart, I want blessings to come from God to me and fix my problems. Like, God, I want you to bless me and get me out of this circumstance. 
I want you to bless me and change everything that's happening because my world is falling apart. And David said, you know what? When my world's falling apart, I'm going to send blessing the other way. I'm going to bless God in the middle of my circumstances, regardless of how much trouble is around me. And so as I'm thinking about this, that idea this week, I'm wondering how would it, how would I change if my first response in difficult circumstances is to say, God, in this, I want to bless you. Instead of my first response being, God, in this, I need you to bless me. In these times, in, these, in this situation, God, I don't know how you're going to get me out. I don't know if you're going to get me out. I don't know if you're going to answer it, if you're going to solve it, if you're going to fix it. I don't know any of that. Here's what I know. I will bless you in the middle of this at all times. Two weeks ago, I mentioned that our circumstances are not necessarily a good indication of whether God is blessing us or not, that we can be blessed in the middle of difficult circumstances. I would add to that this week that my circumstances are not a reason to neglect blessing God either. No matter what my circumstances are, there is no justification for me to stop Praising and turning my face toward and honoring and blessing God in the middle of whatever is going on. As a matter of fact, David goes on in verse 2. He says, now I'll glory in the Lord. In the middle of all this mess, I'm going to brag on you. I'm going to boast on you. I'm going to go crazy in worship. I'm going to let everybody know. I'm going to shine forth you in the middle of this circumstance that's in my life. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. And then David gets the idea that if I'm going to do this, I'll invite other people to do it. If I'm going to respond to God this way, I'm going to just see if anybody else wants to respond to God in this way, which reminds me, we can't invite people into something that we aren't already doing. We can't invite people into something we aren't already living. We can't invite people to bless the Lord if we're not blessing the Lord in whatever circumstances we find ourselves in. And David was blessing the Lord. So the second part of verse 2, he gives this invitation. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice, which is a strange phrase. Because the people that David invites into this worship service are not the people who have it all together. I mean, David doesn't say, hey, if your life is working out great, then come on and praise the Lord with me. If you just got a new car, a bigger house, you just got a pay raise, come on, let's praise the Lord for all those good things that he's doing. If your kids are perfect, if they always mind, if they're on the honor roll, they never get in trouble, I want you to come, let's bless the Lord together. No, David says, if you've got problems... If you're afflicted, if you have trouble in your life, come on, I, I, want, I want you to worship with me. I want to rub shoulders with the people who know what it's like to go through difficult moments and they'll still turn their heart toward God. I, I want to sing shoulder to shoulder with people who have walked through some stuff 
Their heart has been laid bare before God, and they still want to sing to Him. Those are the people that I want to bless the Lord with. David, who is himself afflicted at this moment, says, Anybody else out there? Anybody, anybody else want to, want to worship God with me? Not because your life is perfect, but because you're going through some stuff and we just want to turn back to the Father and put our face on Him. See, I, I think, I don't even know how to quantify it, but I think that something significant happens in us when we give blessing out of our brokenness. I think something happens on the inside. And I wanted to come up with some great phrase like, when we bless God out of our brokenness, then this happens. I don't even know how to say what this is. I just know that in us, I know that in our relationship with God, in our maturity as followers of Jesus, something happens, something grows, something blooms. When I take my brokenness and I say, you know what, I'm going to bless God in spite of what's happening in here. When you break something, when you, when you break something, it, it smashes apart and everything on the inside gets exposed, right? I thought about smashing something, but I thought that'd be a little over the top. Like, if you have something, you can see all the outside, it looks great, but when it's broken, you see edges and inside and parts of it that you never see when it's all together. I think that's what motivates David to say, you know what, when my heart's just busted wide open, like there's parts of it that I lift up to God that I don't lift up to Him when everything's perfect. There's parts of a broken, open heart that sing to God that they don't sing when everything's perfect. It takes that brokenness to expose emotions, to to expose vulnerabilities, to, 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 to expose parts of me that I can hide when everything's going well, but, but when everything breaks apart, then I just have to come and say, all right, here all of it is. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to offer this to you, God. It is all yours. I, I kind of picture David on, on worship service day, kind of watching people as they come in. It's like he's got his section of worshipers and blessers, and he's kind of boxing people out, like if their life looks too together. Like, if your life's perfect, you, why don't you sit over there? Because I don't want to worship. I want to worship with people who, who've been through life this week. I want to worship with people who need to get in touch with God because I know they're going to sing. Right? I, I know they're going to respond to God. I know they're going to pray. I know their heart's going to be poured out to God. I want to worship with those who know what it's like to be broken and in their brokenness still offer blessing to God. When you think about it, Our greatest blessing, the the greatest blessing that ever came into our life, forgiveness, grace, faith, eternal life, relationship with our Heavenly Father, the greatest blessing you and I ever received came out of brokenness. It was the fact that the Son of God was broken for us, that we were able to receive eternal blessing from God. So why would we think? Why would we think that our best blessing toward God is when everything's going great? Why why would we think that our best blessing to God is when our life is perfect? When God's greatest blessing to us came out of broken places. 
and our greatest blessing to God, our greatest recognition of our Father is when we say, look, I didn't have money to get you anything, and, and I can't give back anything, and my life's kind of all busted up right now, but I'm coming to you, Dad. I'm acknowledging you, Dad. I'm turning my face toward you, Dad. Verse 3. David gets all into this invitation, and he says, Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Hey, let's do this together. Like I'm busted up and you're kind of busted up. And let's, why don't we, why don't we, you put your life with my life and their life and we'll just put all our lives together and let's just, let's just worship God together. Let's exalt him together. None of us are perfect. None of us have it all figured out. We all got chips and, and bruises and broken places. Let's just put all of that together and let's worship the Lord. Been to a college football game lately? Visiting team, it's third down. Announcer's going to come across the intercom and he's going to say, it's third down. What does that mean? That means, come on, let's go. Help out. Everybody pitch in. And if they go for it on fourth down, it's going to go crazy, isn't it? It's fourth down. Everybody stand. (sighs) Come on, let's do this. We're together. Florida State's about to kick a field goal to win Georgia Tech last night. Right? Come on, let's get together and run it back and Georgia Tech win. All the Georgia Tech fans said amen, right? And it's in those critical moments you had a football game, the announcer comes on and says, come on, come on, we're doing this together. Everybody get in, nobody holding back. That's what David's saying. Come on, let's worship the Lord together. Let's take our hearts, whatever condition they're in this morning, and let's just offer them to our dad. Let's bless our dad this morning. So that's what we're going to do. We're going we're to wrap up this series by taking just a few minutes and together blessing the Lord. Not asking for his blessing. If his blessing comes, great. If he does great things for us, Awesome. But that our priority in living our life, in being here this morning, is to say, God, I want to bless you. And maybe I'm in a good spot, and maybe things are going well. So here, I'm going to bless you in that. Or maybe things aren't going well. Maybe I'm not in a good spot. Maybe they are broken pieces, and the best blessing is going to flow out of that. I'm going to bless you at all times, starting right now. And that's what I'm going to invite you to do. It's just a few minutes, the band's going to come back and... I don't know if the person next to you is going to do it. I don't know if the person behind you or in front of you is going to do it. Would you like David, just for the next 10 minutes, would you like David just say, I will bless the Lord. I'm going to do it. Regardless if anybody else says, I will bless my dad, my good father. God, thank you. Thank you that you delight and us blessing you. We have nothing to give you. We can't make you bigger, better, stronger, more God. We can't do anything like that. But we can acknowledge you as our Father. And that delights your soul. That delights who you are. So we will bless you. We're going to try to bless you at all times, but we're going to bless you right now for sure. Your praise is going to be on our lips. The good times and the difficult times and the challenges, we're going to bless you today. In Jesus' name.
thousand stories.